The heat intensifies with only two drivers in real contention for the championship. Hamilton and McLaren fight to hold off Massa and Ferrari. Three races remain, Japan, China, and Brazil. Massa cannot hold back. He must push to catch Hamilton. But Hamilton has to balance speed with good judgment, constantly repeating this mantra. Consistency equals points equals championship. The sophomore racer is as aware as anyone that it was his championship to lose last year under similar circumstances. After four straight races without scoring a point, Raikkonen must support Massa because there is no doubt Kovalainen will support Hamilton. With the majestic Mount Fuji overlooking the near mile-long straight, the Japanese circuit offers a challenging test of both skill and courage for every driver. We tell you which one comes out on top. This is the F1 Show. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 39 for coverage of the 2008 Japanese Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. I'm Jim Blau and we're a little late but better than ever and we've got plenty to talk about this weekend including not only the race coverage but some of the fallout that's happened with penalties and everything after the race and uh, let's, let's get right into it. Fernando Alonso wins the Japanese Grand Prix. After what most everyone described as a fluke two weeks ago, Fernando Alonso took a commanding win after slipping through the McLaren melee and outboxing BMW Sauber driver Robert Kubica in the first pit stop. The Spaniard's pace was then unanswered by Kubica or Raikkonen, who finished second and third respectively. And what of the two championship contenders, you might ask? Well, after a much-deserved drive through penalty, Massa pushed his Ferrari to eighth on track but 7th place in the official results. As for the McLaren driving Brit, he stumbled to 12th place after employing 67 laps worth of questionable judgment. This left 4th place open to none other than Nelson Piquet Jr., who managed to not screw up this weekend. He was followed by the top-finishing Japanese car, a Toyota piloted by Yarno Trulli. Unofficially, 6th went to Sebastian Bourdais, but due to FIA intervention, officially it went to Sebastian Vettel. And the persistent Aussie Mark Webber finished 8th behind Massa. Well, Jim, uh, I am speechless. Yeah, the battle really sort of unfolds at turn 1, lap 1. Um, the race day Sunday was much colder temperature-wise. Track was like 20, or was it 15, 20 degrees? degrees? 57, 60 degrees. Uh, yeah, it was like way colder than it was in previous testing. 15 degrees Celsius, they said. Yeah, whatever that means. Do the math. And um, and and remember, last year uh, the teams don't have much to go on as far as data for this track because last year was ridiculous monsoon conditions. So um, it's a bit new to everybody as far as race setup and, and dialing everything in with, with the current car regulations. Certainly, yeah. yeah. I mean, since 1976, I don't think that really counts either. Exactly. Um, and then add into that that everyone is you know everyone's on slipperier tires than they realize because of the surface and everything. And basically, and add to that that it's near the end of the season and everyone's trying to scrap for maximum points and, and, and everything else. I mean, it really came together, and almost everybody ran wide in turn one. I mean, everyone was trying to make a big move, trying to make up some positions. Hamilton got a slow start, and so I think he was sort of you know doing what anyone does when they lose a street race is they try to keep pushing longer than the other guy and pass him eventually. I mean, to take a step back, uh, it was a 1-2 start, Hamilton on pole, Raikkonen in second place. Yep. And Raikkonen had a better start than Hamilton and was clearly in front heading into turn one. Yeah. Uh, Raikkonen 
did not push to the inside. He stayed more to the outside once he took that position. And Hamilton popped to the inside right at the last minute and broke way too late. Yeah, I, I think pretty much everyone did. I mean, I, Robert Kubica said this uh, in the interview, um, basically that everybody pushed a bit too hard. He pushed a little bit less too hard and was able to come through the corner, and that's why he was able to do as well as he was through turn one. Um, but basically, everyone got caught out. I mean, no one wanted to be the first one to blink, and then yeah. they were caught out by the cold tires and everything. And uh, I don't think Hamilton's pushing Raikkonen out was an intentional, you know, intentionally malicious. Um, of course, no. they're battling. Hamilton's trying to do his thing, but I don't think his intent was to push Raikkonen off the track. His intent was to slide right in beside him and try to, you know, maintain racing Basically and all that. Take him, overtake him on the inside. Yeah, now, now, however, not give him the position. Yeah, I would also contend, being the Raikkonen fan that I am, that Raikkonen also was not overshooting turn one. He might have pushed wide a little bit, uh, but he was breaking in a much more appropriate place. But he was simply caught out by both McLaren drivers, first Hamilton, then Kovalainen, both pushing wide, and Raikkonen ended up way off into the um, the overrun past the grass yeah. and, and lost some place. Um, Hamilton and Kovalainen also lost a couple of places in that event, allowing uh, Robert Kubica and or Kubica, we're still having that debate, yeah. uh, and, and Alonso. Fernando Alonso to get through. Uh, so after turn one, lap one, it was Kubica first, Alonso second, and then... Hamilton and Kovalainen rejoined there. But then, not before lap two even uh, began, Hamilton was either far, even farther down the pack. So I don't know what happened to him. He must have gotten mixed up in something else that we didn't see. Yeah, and uh, and also David Coulthard wanted to have his David Coulthard moment for the race, and he just couldn't wait. So in like it was like, <laughs> it was like turn two, he just like it was the exit of turn one even. Yeah, he it was just, the exit of one. He he just lost it. He got on the power a little bit too early, and and it looks like. Um, his uh, rear suspension was broken, so yeah. um, it got on the power. It's, and it's, it's it's very possible that he was hit or hit someone. Yeah. Uh, the suspicion is maybe Timo Glock, mm-hmm. because Timo Glock also came in early with some uh, suspension issues. Yeah. Um, and uh, and later retired. And I mean, later six retired. laps later. Yeah. Uh, so he poor guy had he had a failed suspension before he hit the wall. Yeah. But nonetheless. He was involved in yet another accident. He did hit the wall and quite hard, and he was out of the race before he even completed a lap. Yeah, so he he did basically one one turn, and uh, after that was out. So anyway, that's uh, that was the the cool tired crash report for the for the weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, I was watching this one live. I stayed up late because uh, for the uh, the Japanese race, it comes on at about uh, twelve thirty in the morning or something here, and uh, I was just sort of stayed up late to watch it. And had the live timing and scoring, and uh, it almost it reminds me almost too much of Brazil last year. With um, Hamilton, all the expectations basically being on Hamilton, and I know it's not well, the last race points, of the season. Going into this, he was seven points in the lead with three races to go. Yeah, he's got Kovalainen to support him. You know, Ferrari, Ferrari has to be on the offense. Ferrari has to push. Yep, he just has to defend and stay out of trouble. That's all he has to do. Yeah, and uh, so a couple laps into it, um, and, and I mean Hamilton was pushing at least seemed like harder than he had to be. So long as he stayed ahead of Massa, he was golden. Much, much, much harder than he had to be. Yeah. He didn't – there was zero point in attempting to overtake Raikkonen. Yeah, especially one, especially one, turn one. Considering yeah, the one. circumstances, there was zero point in um, racing Kovalainen the way he was, at least that I saw. And, uh, you know, there's cer- certainly zero point uh, racing Massa as hard as he was. Now, we haven't gotten to this part yet. Uh, let's get there. Let's get there. Uh, lap two – uh, 
all this all this nonsense goes on. Raikkonen ends up being like sixth or seventh uh, in in the formation, and uh, Hamilton was uh, either right in front or right behind him. And uh, Hamilton and Massa were racing each other. Massa was ahead, and Hamilton was trying to make a pass. He made the pass, uh, and Massa tried to go on the inside of the next corner. It was a right-left combination. Uh, Massa was very aggressive going into that next corner. Hamilton pretty much had the pass made. Massa was just completely way too optimistic and ended up punting Hamilton, spinning Hamilton. Uh, Massa was able to continue. He didn't really lose any sp- lose much time, but Massa ended up being in the back of the pack, basically. He was 18th on lap two. Yeah. But then, um, as a result, Massa got a drive-through penalty for his action, and he ended up in the back as well. But, Hamilton also got a drive-through penalty for his uh, maneuver in turn one, lap one, against Raikkonen. So again, we've got so the drive-through penalties coming into in the play back. here. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so... In the first two laps, Hamilton had already made three obvious categorical mistakes. Trying to pass Raikkonen, pointless. Trying to race Kovalainen, pointless. Trying to race Massa, pointless. Two laps, three mistakes. He was being a pinhead. He was being an utter pinhead. <laughs> and I, I was shocked to see how much of it. He looked like, a, he looked like an 18-year-old rookie. Yeah, and it, which reminds me so much of the way I felt in, uh, well, I guess, you know, in China... Last year, when he parked it, you know, when he just took the, the pit in road a little bit too hot and ended up having to park it and walk out of it. I mean, that, you feel like, okay, he just cooked it a little bit too hard. That's one thing. But this is like making several mistakes and clearly sort of, it just seems like he's got the wrong approach. And I don't know if he's yes. gotten really cocky about it and just figures he's amazing and he can do anything. Or if all the nerves of everything coming together and this is his second shot at the championship and it's coming down to the wire now and he's still ahead. I mean, but he shouldn't be not. pushing. I mean, he's, he's but, in a relatively comfortable yeah, place. But it's like something, I don't know, but it's like he's sort of got thinking about it all wrong or something. And it's it's disappointing because um, I want to see the guy do well, but uh, at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it, it's really just sort of tragic to see it unfold this way and, you know, with penalties here and there and, I mean, it was it was really pretty wild for a while there when when Massa had a penalty and you figure, oh no, it's all over, or, and then you know, and then and, or, and then you know Hamilton and then Massa have both having the penalty. And and before the race even started, you know, Hamilton qualified on pole, Raikkonen was second, Massa had qualified fifth. Yeah. And and going into this race, Raikkonen should have been completely out of Hamilton's mind. I mean, Raikkonen pretty much has to more or less had to score a hat trick to have any chance of winning the championship. Yeah. And, you know, Ferrari had already stated that they want Raikkonen to support Massa. I mean, he was effectively out of the championship. Hamilton had no reason to race Raikkonen. He knew that Massa was behind him. A nice conservative race start would not have been a bad idea. Yeah. Um, clearly. And I also, I also want to make this point. Uh, my little pre-intro, these little pre-intros that I started doing – uh, this last, the last podcast and this one, I wrote that over a week ago. So this isn't some, you know, me talking about, um, you know, Hamilton balancing speed with good judgment, having consistency just to score points. That was not a reaction to this race result. That was written ahead of time, and uh, poor guy didn't listen. Yeah, man. If uh, you got to tell Robin everyone about how brilliant he is, and uh, you can do that feedback at f one show dot com. Make the subject line Robin is brilliant, and I'll make sure it gets to him. Well, I'm sure the subject line wouldn't be that, but oh, it certainly should be. <laughs> so, 
Okay, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the the live timing archive here um, uh, from the lap chart. I mean, and yeah, Hamilton went from first to being uh, not quite dead last because because Nakajima, unfortunately, in his home race in Japan, um, had another issue and uh, had to. I don't know, if, was it? I don't even remember what it was now. With uh, with the, uh, he lost the front wing. He went he went off the track and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. lost his front mm-hmm. wing. Had to come into the pits. So tragically, he was la- you know dead last. But um, and so I'm kind of looking at the lap times, and, and it's just like in Brazil where you're sort of looking. Okay, Hamilton's you know down back in the pack, but they took him. You know he had to go into the pits to get new tires. I mean he flat spotted these tires horribly in the spin, and that's, yep. you know you got to yep. do that. Check out the car a little bit. They filled him back up with fuel, and so you figure, okay, now he's kind of on a one-stopper, and yeah, he's starting at a disadvantage, but every once in a while, these things will come back and work out. Take I mean, it easy, seen, manage the tires, yeah. and just run your race. If you run the pit stops, just, you know, if the other guy's pit, and you, you kind of play the strategy right and put in fast laps when you have to, and especially if a safety car comes out, you know, you could be in, in really good shape. And so I was kind of looking at the lap times and watching him climb through the field, and um, he really didn't. I mean, he passed... Um, Let's see, who did he pass? Uh, he passed Jensen Button after being behind him for a number of laps. Hooray. Uh, yeah. Um, this is with a mile-long straight, mind you. Yeah. And uh, and the Honda's being the slowest in the uh, speed trap than any other car. And then he passed Barrichello as well, but then, then, then had to pit, but didn't make his way up through the field beyond that at all. I mean, it was... He really, well, Hamilton just, I don't know, didn't seem to have it, or maybe he got your lesson about being conservative just a little bit too late <laughs> and figured he wouldn't take any risks anymore. But, uh, you know, so, and, and then Massa, on the other hand, was, was absolutely pushing. And, you know, it looks, oh, he's got an outside chance. Maybe he'll get a point. Maybe he won't. And then the way it worked out eventually with the penalties and everything, he ends up getting two points, which, I mean, that's enough to, yeah, and those are two valuable points. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, and so as a result, you know, I, I, was, pretty, I was pretty flabbergasted by both these drivers' performance. Now, I've said all year, I don't think Massa is a championship driver. I just don't. Yeah, and he again kind of showed it. Now that the pressure's on, this guy who's who's magnificent in qualifying qualifies fifth. Now some people will say, well, you know, you know that well he didn't get enough heat in the tires his first qualifying lap and he got too much in the second. But this is a guy that's that as the genius at getting the right amount of heat. In yeah, the if tires. anybody can do it, it's right. him, right? And so he's starting to get let the nerves get to him as well. And uh, and and Hamilton was just ungodly awful this race weekend, I thought. And you know what? Kubica still has a chance at this thing, and Kubica might pull a Raikkonen in this year if Hamilton and Massa prove prove me right. Yeah, um, I I mean, I guess it's unlikely, but it's, I guess we would have said Raikkonen winning was unlikely last, last year. year yeah. So so it goes. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, all down to all down to the wire last year as well. Um, I mean, I I don't think I, re- I really doubt that. Kubica's really got what it's going to take, and you know, in Brazil and everything. I mean, I don't know some of the magic of uh, Massa in Brazil. Well, it's <laughs> oh, interesting. It's just... You look at the performance on the track, yeah, versus the points, and you have two different stories. Performance on the track, it's pretty clear that the two top teams are McLaren and Ferrari, and everyone else is chasing them. Yeah, but if you look at the points, BMW Sauber team constructor has 128 points to McLaren's 135 to Ferrari's 142. Uh, in terms of driver standing, Kubica has 72 points to Ferrari, to Massa 79, and Hamilton's 84. I mean, he's 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 it, right there. It's not he's, night and day. It's, yeah, he's absolutely within within range to take this. And uh, I mean, for comparison's sake, I mean, Nick Heidfeld has scored not a miserable but not a fantastic 56. 56 I mean, points. yeah, he's he's well back there. Yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, that would be more of a consistent amount of points you'd think for the best of the rest team but uh, Kubik 
Kubica, Kubica could be doing, he he could pull it out. I mean, he's 12 points in two races is less significant than Raikkonen's was last year. Yeah, and there's there's only been three races where Kubica hasn't scored points. I mean, in Australia, um, at Silverstone, and then in Singapore. Other than that, he's had points on the board, including his win in Canada, um, and three second places. So you can't, I mean, you can't argue with that. I mean, Heidfeld has been more consistent in that he's finished every race, but there's been a lot more where he's been lower down in the pack. And, and he didn't even get out of Q3. A number of zeros. Yeah, I mean, Heidfeld was, was bad news this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I guess Kubica could, and that would be pretty wild after everything, all the Ferrari and McLaren back and forth, and absolutely. Um, and now, and the, and then I guess okay. So let's talk about Massa. Um, this is the second round of pits, pit stops, right? Um, Massa's on track. Massa's just driving as, as far as you know, best he can to make up as much ground as he can. Um, well, I guess before that, quickly though, the um, the penalties, the, you know, the drive-through penalty. Hamilton is in 18th spot now. Um, with with uh, you know after after being spun and having to take you know having to do a pit stop, uh-huh. um, and then the penalty then, then the word comes down from race control oh drive through penalty for Lewis Hamilton, um, right. that doesn't really hurt him. I mean he, I guess it puts him behind Nakajima. I'm not even sure it did. I think I think he actually stayed in 18th spot. He goes I, yeah, in, I he don't comes think out. he lost any places. And so he's basically got clear track to make that back up. Whereas Massa that takes him from being up at you know mid pack um, and puts him way down in the order. So this is kind of like last time. And I guess there's not a whole lot you can do about that, but where the penalties mean very different things depending where you are on track sure. and the traffic oh, situation. Sure. Because sure. it, I mean, it slowed it slowed right, uh, Lewis Hamilton down, no doubt, but it, it wasn't cars in between him and you know and where he was. It was just more track position, and he had clear track and didn't make it up as quickly as as I would have thought he did. But he, he would. But um, you know, like Massa was throwing down qualifying laps, though. I mean, he was he was doing well. Yeah. And then and then he got the penalty. It moved him back, and he just had so much traffic to fight through that it made his job that much harder. So uh, that's another way of you know these drive through penalties playing out. And I guess there's not a really a, a good sol- solution to that um, because you can't say. I mean, I guess you could make you know demand that they give up three spots or something, but that just gets a little tricky. And well, sure. I don't, I I don't mean, know what the answer is to that. I guess. I mean, it's 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 that's that's pretty tough to fix. I mean, it is. It, a drive-through penalty is a drive-through penalty. It costs you roughly the same amount of time. Track position makes a huge amount of, of difference on how that same time will, will hurt you yeah. and the ability to pass on the track. But, I mean, what are the alternatives? I mean, would you say that uh, you'd have to lose two positions instead or something like that? Would that – I mean – and, and that would be kind of wonky how, to enforce, how, yeah, yeah, depending on the track position and, and everything and else. How much distance there is between the two penal- two places? I mean, and that you know, there's already you know terrible conspiracy theories about the how the FIA runs and its its lack of consistency. I think that would make it that much worse. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, so it's, it's another example of that. But I guess that's just kind of that's how it is. I mean, there's only so many things they can do to penalize someone, um, and it's. You know whether you go some some of these things you know these infringements like speeding in a pit lane, um, you know you got to fine for it or whatever you know or, or using improper language to the media or whatever. I mean you see these weird fines pop sure. up every once in a while. It's like so and so had to pay a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars to to this and that. But so yeah, I guess as far as during a race, there's not a whole lot you can do. But then after the race, you know taking twenty five seconds away from somebody, that's you know the other. Well, and speaking of that, I mean, what do you have through. to say about the uh, board A penalty? Do you want to explain that? I mean, yeah. So board A is coming out of his uh, this is a second pit stop. Massa's on track, and and in most situations when Bourdais coming out from a pit and Massa drives by, Bourdais probably lap traffic, and uh, and and so they've got and 
the pit exit basically leads a guy right into the apex of, of turn one. I mean, there's there's some some track there, but not a whole lot. And uh, you bas- it basically puts you on the inside for turn one, which is where you want to be. And I feel like Massa didn't. So I mean, the short answer is Massa basically came came across and either made a really optimistic pass move or just acted as though um, he attempted. Bord- one. Bordet he wasn't there. Um, but uh, yeah, but you know, got into the side of Bordet. I mean, it was it was. I mean, they, they did have contact, right? I mean, they, yes, yeah, and, and so I don't know what it was in Massa's car was super strengthened today that he could spin out Hamilton earlier in the race and then knock Bordet later, but uh, yeah, it drove as though Bordet should have just you know disappeared way out of his way and, and given him the right of way when they were racing for position. So yeah, and and I, in terms of Bordet accelerated at the right point, he stayed to the inside. I don't think Bordet did a single thing wrong. Yeah, and Massa basically came up and just got overly optimistic. And and, and very aggressive. And yet... Uh, Bordet got a penalty. Yeah, it, it was flashed up that the incident would be reviewed after the race, which that I didn't understand in itself. Um, you know, they said uh, that you wanted to get both drivers' opinions on the incident, but it still seems like your... Um, your uh, you know, you're just passing judgment on a race and affecting unofficials. Why do that? And then yeah, and I guess you could say that about any incident. I mean, sure, why not get exactly. both drivers' input on the on the Hamilton massive spin earlier? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But but Bordet didn't do anything wrong. I really, I mean, what what could he have done? He, I mean, unless he just came out, unless saw that Massa was coming, and, and pulled over out. and stopped. Yeah, exactly. Which why why in the world would anyone do that? Yeah, and and to have Massa give a penalty. I mean, it's it's one of those. It kind of. You know, I don't. We're, I don't think you could call Robin and I conspiracy theorists about. Oh, there's this big plan and it's all rigged and whatever. Because if it were all rigged, I don't think we'd watch it. You know, if we really no. felt it was that way. No, but it's one of those things that you just you'd look at it and it just makes you go, hmm. You're like, how how did they come to that? You know, how did they decide that that that, that Bourdais was at fault and he should be penalized? Right. Of all the of all the this, these last couple of races, there's been a lot of this. Yeah. And you know, you know, Jim and I disagreed on the Raikkonen and Hamilton uh, call and. Uh, and uh, we've had, you know, we've had our differences on it, but this this one was so yeah. I don't. So I haven't wrong. read any media reports or articles or whatever that really say, you know what, Bourdais screwed up on that, and he should have X. Because what 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 would you have done? I mean, I think I think yeah. yeah in any of the uh, with you know the Hamilton Raikkonen thing, had Bourdais backed off and let Massa go right by, Toro Rosso would have fired him. They're like, we don't want a driver like that. Or I think Ferrari should have been investigated, although they probably wouldn't have been, for like team orders because it's a Ferrari engine car, remember? So if, if sure. maybe that's orders on, from on high saying, hey, we got to get our lead Ferrari guy to get maximum points, so you better get out of his way. I mean, if I'd seen that happen, I would have been suspicious on that end. So, yeah, sure. Like, what's the guy supposed to do? And, and I think I think Massa should have – I mean, I don't think there's much question. Massa could have passed him later in the in the race and, uh, and, and done fine, and he did. So um, – uh, no, he didn't because, uh, no, you know, he held him off. That's right. Um, so he, I mean, he, I think he could have, if he'd, um, you know, backed off there and, and kept a cool head and yeah, waited a couple of corners. Yeah, could have set him up. But, I mean, Massa backing off and having a cool head doesn't seem to be what, what usually plays out. Which, I guess that's... You know, which goes to what is and what isn't a championship driver. But, yeah. So the interesting thing is we've gone this long and we haven't even mentioned Fernando Alonso's name yet, really. Oh, did he do okay this weekend? He had a couple of moments. Yeah. I mean... What, what I mean, is... Uh, unbelievable. Well, he... Okay, getting out first, and basically just never let up. I mean, he he backed off a little bit in the very closing laps of the race, yep. but he was throwing down some of the best lap times. Um, was actually not quite. It was like he was like maybe a couple tenths off fastest lap at the end of the day. But for like twenty well, laps in a row, I mean, Masa it was amazing. Threw in this wicked quick eighteen four. Yeah, and then second fastest lap was Kimi Raikkonen with a nineteen dead. 
But uh, third fastest lap was Fernando Alonso with a 19-1. And that was that was mid-race. But I remember looking and it's at... And worth mentioning, fourth fastest lap was Nelson Piquet with a 19-2. I don't know if he channeled Ayrton Senna for a couple of couple of minutes there or what happened yeah. there. That certainly wasn't Piquet himself. Well, there's a lot of people with 19-2s. If you look down, you know, just a little bit off of that pace. I mean, Hickey Kovalainen, Bourdais, Kubica. I agree with you. Piquet they're all, they're all pretty close. So, I know. Okay, well done, Nelson. I mean, I, I don't know if the Renault... Well I mean, done, Nelson. So, not sucking as much as usual. So, I mean, no one quite knows where they came, you know, where the speed came from in the Renault. Um, if they just figured something out on the car better as far as... Because they can't change a lot of the electronics. I mean, I don't Realized think they had an engine upgrade or anything. the spark plug wires wasn't pushed down all the way or something. And yeah, but I mean, it's not like a, a fluke where, you know, last time was a safety car and then it was really hard to pass and all that, but um, I mean, he the, there was a point where Kubica was, was coming up to sort of challenge Alonso and couldn't make it happen and Alonso just sort of kept driving away. And, and then Kovalainen's engine blew. Yeah, so... <laughs> It was. I mean. It, oh, it was, I'm sorry. You said Kubica. Kubica. I mean, Ko- yeah. Kovalainen was also. Yeah, Kovalainen was, was up there, up there towards the beginning, and Kovalainen's engine blew. It was yeah. To- totally unlucky this race weekend. Yeah, and uh, so, and I was just looking at the, the laps Alonso was putting down were just, just brilliant. I mean, yeah, I, I guess he, that's, and they were consistent. I mean, he was 19-1, yeah. 19-2. He was in that low 19 range for several laps. Yeah. So he, maintaining his tires really well, consistent, fast. He drove. Brilliantly, drove like a double world champion. Yeah, I guess. he drove yeah. absolutely like a double world champion. And you and you look at the way Alonso drove today and the way Hamilton drove today, and you go, how how did last year happen the way it did? Yeah, you it's, know it's it's funny how that how that looks. It's and really I mean, kind of a mystery. So and, this and we can't judge everything by this one race, but it, it it's still interesting to look at. Yeah. So okay, mentioning um, Alonso and and Hamilton, um, I read this article <laughs> just today, which is very. Very bizarre, and I'm still trying, to, still trying to work out sort of the context of this whole thing. But quite good, actually. Basically, Alonso um, came out and said um, he supports Massa in winning in winning the championship this year. And as you're like, okay, you figure, okay, well, Kimi's going to say that kind of a thing, or Heike Kovalainen can say, oh, I'm going to do everything I can to help Lewis. Yeah, but but Alonso drives for a different team, different team, and, and was different on engines Hamilton's and everything last year. Yeah, so, so Massa genuine. I mean. Alonso genuinely does not like Hamilton. Yeah, I don't know if this is just a big like middle finger to uh, to Lewis or what, but he's basically saying if there's any, if if I'm able to help Massa, I certainly will. That's that's amazing. So okay, so we were, ta- we were talking but about what this does for that a second before the show. What so what can he do? Yeah, I mean, short of okay, uh, he could run, you know, crash his car into into Hamilton sometime. Yep. and take them both out of the race, and maybe he'd depenalize, and maybe he wouldn't, and that would help Massa. But short of that. Which would get its own fines and problems, and Renault would never want him to do that anyway. What what can he do? I mean, I guess Alonso is going to try to keep Hamilton behind him anyway because he's racing Hamilton. And what else is there that he could do? I mean, it's right. not like he's going to. Oh, I was going to let him buy. Is he going to let Massa buy? So. I mean, I don't know. It's it, it's, it's just. Oh, I guess. Oh, I guess he could. Yeah, let Massa buy, but that I don't think he'd do that. I, I can't imagine he'd want to do that either. So it, it it's it's ultimately an empty statement. because yeah. there's nothing he would really do. And it's just but him it, saying. It's quite interesting that he would even be willing to say that in public. Yeah, to just make that statement to the media, uh, and it's to the Spanish press, and so I, we it's don't like, know. Just by the way, I really don't like this. guy. By the way, screw that guy. That guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's so what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, so there's still this question mark. Um, I think doesn't Alonso technically have a contract at Renault next year? Or no, it's, I, he's got this whole exit clause. Yeah, or whatever. he's got this whole exit clause, and then, then that's something I actually wanted to mention. Yeah, there's still uh, the question of whether or not he's going to go. You know, to, there's still uh, talks Honda. that he might end up at Honda, and there's some other silly season stuff happening late in the game where 
there's a chance if that does happen that Bourdais might end up at Renault, which would be great for Bourdais, I can only imagine. I mean, it would be a theoretical step up depending on how Red Bull Technologies supporting Red Bull Toro Rosso and all that works out, if they'll be able to continue to develop the car and all that. Um, uh, You know, that could work out well for Bourdais. So yeah, we'll have we'll have Vettel at uh, at Red Bull, um, which may or may not be a step up. We'll have to see how Renault, how right? that's going. Yep. And uh, which which reminds me, I mean, there is uh, a little bit of news on the customer car situation. Uh, there was some question of whether or not STR would be able to exist, or a team like STR, which obviously borrows heavily from technology from another team, and they've gotten some sort of loopholes about who actually develops the the car, whether it's Red Bull Racing or Red Bull Technology or whatever, but. In the uh, current economic climate around the world, which is, you know, less money in the world than uh, there's been in in some time, um, F1 really seems to be more open to the idea of customer cars because it's, in a big way, a cost savings. I mean, if you can divide out the uh, the cost of all the development and all the testing and everything over two teams or at least one and a half, you know, for the budgets or whatever, uh, that's obviously cost effective. So I... Because we've seen STR, you know, do so well, and they're not just a backmarker team. I mean, the fact that they're right up there with points with the rest of them and, and all that. I mean, uh, you know, Vettel is eighth in points. Um, and, you know, it's. I think it's it's a good thing. I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to see that again. And, and um, I'm, we're still sort of mourning the loss of Super Aguri as a, as a Honda customer. Oh, yeah. Although there there is a chance that our boy Takuma Sato will be back in a Toro Rosso car. Yeah, He's see, one of the people that have tested the Toro Rosso car. Yeah, so there's there's hope for that. And I think, I mean, if anything, I think, you know, Honda has, has always been a good fit for him because they sort of gave him a start and all that. And um, it's it's too bad if the Hondas are so slow. But I guess if, you know, people move around, or I guess they confirmed Jensen already. So there, it'd either be Alonzo or, or Barrichello for next year in the yeah, Honda. Yeah, I think so. Barrichello okay. wants to stay. I was about to say, if they fired him and, and just got Takuma, you know, then we could uh, maybe see that car doing some interesting stuff again. But either way, um, I did the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, this weekend was the first time that um, – Bourdais finished higher than Vettel. So it's a bit late in the season to be doing that. But, but he didn't. Well, Officially, he didn't. Well, he did. He I did. mean, he did. Come on. Yeah, uh, yeah later the penalty, penalty, whatever. But, you know, as far as actually running a race and passing people and all that, he was able to maintain yeah. a higher position, I guess, until the final lap. It was yeah, officially he ended up 10th, uh, yeah. which is just completely unfortunate. Um, I, I just want to mention this is a complete non sequitur here, but... You should definitely go to the F1 show because if you do, you can look to the right and see our ads by Google page. And the first ad is, tomorrow, Eccastone naked. See the F1 boss's daughter in her racy new PETA anti-fur ad. Oh, boy. So there's 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 value in going to our website. Clearly, the there's F1 a lot of value. And turn off the ad blockers as well so you can um, click through to that. Well, we're going to go ahead and go. And that'll be. I, well, look at that. Oh, come on. This is an audio show. We can't tease people like that. Well, going for free is the winning formula. Tamara Eccleston. I need you to not go to our website while we're recording. She, okay, is, this. she is clad in nothing other than a checkered flag. It's, 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 it's quite something. She doesn't look much like Bernie. That's probably for the best if we have <laughs> I would, pictures of I her scantily so. clad. I, I don't know. I, can the can the listeners in, in uh, uh, Europe and England more specifically enlighten us? Is she kind of like a Paris Hilton? Type of figure. Yeah, we don't really hear. I've never even really heard of her before. Because I didn't even know who she was. Well, she's hot, though. Now. I mean, I guess that's, that's she's, she's at least worth something, right? I think I would take her over Paris. Yeah, okay. But I don't. I think Paris is. Well, we don't need to get into that. But, oh, right. So, speaking uh, of Formula <laughs> One. <laughs> um, so, I read another article that uh, just came up here that's. It's just one of these that, that you, these sort of fluff pieces. And I don't know if they just release these PR things after the race, but 
Um, this is McLaren endorses Hamilton's approach. And, it's, you know, McLaren say they fully endorse Lewis Hamilton maintaining his attacking approach in his bid for the world championship despite having trouble in the Japanese Grand Prix. This just in, McLaren wants Robert Kubica to win the world championship. I know, like, what are they <laughs> going to say? Like, oh, you know, that Hamilton, yeah, he really sucks. Um, you know, and it's it's... Why do they even do this? I mean, I guess just to have their name in the media or whatever. But that's but it's but it's an it's an awful approach. It's a terrible, terrible approach. Yeah, I mean, Ron Dennis said he's a racing driver. That's what makes him the driver he is. He's going to fight for positions at every opportunity. And you're not well, going to stop him doing if that. If you don't calm him down, the driver he is is second in the world championship. I exactly. Mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. What he if you're going to fight every corner, then you're probably not going to win a championship because, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, that's just that's not the way that it works. I was so, I was emailing a friend back in back and forth another big f1 fan real knowledgeable guy and uh, i was explaining to him how lewis hamilton is the ricky bobby of <laughs> f1 right now if, if you ain't first you're last I and guess. uh he maybe needs to uh, hamilton if you're listening rent talladega, talladega nights it's a it's a uh, will ferrell movie very funny and it, it might just teach you something yeah man so uh i i hope he can pull it together and uh I guess Lewis can't do any worse than he did in China well, last year. Well, he still has every opportunity to win. He's still, he's what, still five leading. points up. Yeah, he's still leading by five points. In he's, he's five points up. He just has to keep Massa in his sights. <coughs> and if he keeps Massa in his sights, he'll inevitably also keep Kubitz in his sights, and he'll, he'll be world champion. He just needs to calm down and not listen to his boss. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, to say, oh, well, you know, their, their whole point, I guess, is that Ultimately, you know, these drivers are humans. They're not robots. That they just program and say, okay, dial back emotion a little bit. Okay, dial up speed a little bit. Which is exactly why Hamilton should be able to adjust his robot-like attack mode <laughs> racing style and calm himself <laughs> down for a couple of races. Yeah, you'd think. But, I mean, Ron Dennis seems all cocky anyway. So, uh, Bloody hell. you know, I guess it's maybe that's rubbing off on uh, Hamilton a bit much. Uh, yeah, I think Jordan Brown brought the, that point to my attention. But, <laughs> anyway... Um, so okay, it's it's only a couple of days now. I mean, it's Tuesday now. We're recording this, and sorry, it's uh, it's a bit late. But uh, yeah, that is that is my fault. As Jim said, he watched live, and I was off. I was off doing some nonsense uh, yeah. over the weekend. Uh, so, but uh, anyway, we're back, and we will be bringing you uh, China coverage in in good time. I mean, in the yes, normal Sunday. Yes, uh, that should fashion. that should come back. Uh, um, I'm just looking through the results here. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we missed. I mean, there are a lot Probably of things happened. A lot. That was that was um, quite a busy race, but I mean, the, the championship is becoming the overwhelming thing we're looking at. I mean, we didn't even talk about Alonso until what, 15 minutes into the podcast? Uh, but, well, yeah, he did well and he uh, won. Well, I mean, <laughs> Alonso in theory could he could get by Kovalainen and Heidfeld and be fifth in the championship if he keeps up this current pace. He's only he's only what eight points behind Heidfeld. Yeah, I, and I was looking at, and, and we're not quite ready to do a whole season recap yet because we've still got two races to go, but, I mean, looking at some of the numbers here, um, Kovalainen, it's like, I mean, he's got his one win. Um, Which was a lucky win. Yeah, in, uh, I forget where that was now. What was after Germany? Italian? No. I don't know. What, what Somewhere the, in Europe. What race is that? I don't know. I don't Why even do know you that, ask that, me these types no, of things? No, they've got all the flags on here instead of the, instead of the names. Oh, I, well, I that's can't just silly. That. Who looks at flags? But uh, So he's got his one win. And uh, and then, like, a lot of a lot of non-finishes, a lot of zero points. And, I mean, the fact that McLaren is back behind Ferrari, the Constructors' Championship, is, like, no mystery to me at all. Because, I mean, yeah, Raikkonen's been off the pace lately with, you know, four four races in a row without scoring any points. But... 
you know, when he scores points, he's done well. He's won a couple, and, you know, he's done more consistent It was job. Uh, the French Grand Prix. Ah, oh, the French. Magnicourt. Or whatever oh, it Copeland is. didn't win there. What? What are you talking about? What comes after Germany? Isn't this what this says? Hold on. No. Oh, Budapest, Hungary. Oh, Hungary, Hungary. Hungary. That's sorry, the Hungarian sorry, sorry. flag. I'm not, I'm not wise to the Hungarian flag. So anyway, yeah, he's written in Hungary. I, I'd forgotten about that. That was a while ago now. I saw ING and I assumed France. That was stupid. Yeah. I fixed it. It's Hungary. Okay, got after it. After Germany. Got it. So, um, yeah, I mean, Kovalainen... It's not French. ...has really Jim. done... <laughs> Um, Move on. A mediocre job of, of supporting his boy there. I mean, like like you say, he's he's only three points ahead of Alonso in the in the, in the championship, and what should be a much much better car. So, um, or at least until recently. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I wonder. I feel like if I were Alonso, I'd be more inclined to stick with Renault, sort of seeing that the car is capable of this kind of thing. You know, when the circumstances are right, he's able to really take it and go well. Well, I would say Alonso has had a huge part in making that a reasonable yeah, car again. Yeah, I agree. I mean, compared to Honda, who's had. Three point, uh, four points finishes for a team this whole year. Um, you know, to to be up in the in the Renault, especially if they can sort of take this momentum in in next year and continue to do well. Um, that that's pretty compelling to me. Although I guess to, you know, forty million dollars or whatever would probably be kind of compelling as well. So hey, man, there's always that. And uh, and I, I guess gotta we'll, keep up with the right. We'll have to see is. if, if uh, <laughs> keep up with the right <laughs> uh, We'll have to see if if. You know, banks and everything have uh, have the money to sort of continue uh, running Formula One they are the way they are because so much of F one is held by just different banks and investment companies and all that and they're obviously in a world of hurt right now. Yep. A couple of the like RBS was just bought by um, the government of England, so you know there's some question as to whether they will you know be able to keep doing the kind of things they've been doing um, now that they're sort of held by governments and there's different uh, priorities and everything else. So. Yeah, Gordon Brown, you better be cool, man. Yeah, so be we better. Cool. <laughs> We're going to have to see if, if that comes into play. I mean, that hasn't really directly affected the on-track action yet, but it, it seems like it really could. I mean, just the way the budgets are and sponsorship money and all, and all that may become less important, um, you know, as, as restructuring and everything has to go on with all these different banks. So that could be something that definitely comes into play. But as yet, you know, thankfully, it's uh, it hasn't really uh, been too much of an issue. But, I, I mean, I, I think it's conceivable that we may lose another another team. I mean, like what happened to uh, let's Super hope, let's hope they, uh, 20 cars is a good number. I'd I think love it is. To, I mean, ideally, I'd love to see 24 cars. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 20 cars is a good number. 18 starts getting a little light. Yeah. So um, I want to get into predictions. And before we make any new predictions, I want to first thank Colin. He did come through and offer me predictions. Yes. They were wrong. But uh, <laughs> we should but just, we should just I guess, at least he tried. ask everyone else for predictions and then just call them out on being wrong every time. Yeah. But, like, you guys not even make our own. Well. I, I, I will be once again willing to make a prediction. I am going to predict, just for the sake of predicting it, because I do believe it's possible that Robert Kubica is going to win the world championship. He is the most mature driver of the three that are in contention. You should bet on that. There's probably pretty good odds. I, he's 12 points behind, and if if Ron Dennis is going to support Hamilton's attacking style and Felipe Massa is going to continue to exist, then I think Kubica's got a real chance. You know, if, if Massa is, you know... If Massa is is taken over by the spirit of Schumacher, yeah, uh, you know, I think Massa can win this. But I, Hamilton needs to settle down, and if he doesn't, Kubica could win this thing, yeah. which would be huge. Um, so we got it. We got a, an email from Colin. Um, I wanted to mention that uh, he's saying, you know, if he's basically hoping our boy Sato could come back to uh, to run an F one, maybe take David Coulthard's seat. Although I think it's pretty much confirmed that Weber is staying at Red Bull and that. 
Sebastian Vettel will be in the other seat. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, maybe Sato will come up as an STR. But um, the other thing I want to mention, we actually got an email from uh, from from John Stegman, um, FIA, and without even making an announcement about it, but basically said, "Oh, we've posted a new revi- new revision of the 2009 calendar." And what was missing? The Canadian Grand Prix. Oh yes, and I, I wrote about that on our Facebook page. Yeah, uh, a few days back. Uh, that that that's off the 09 calendar, which blows. I know, and I mean, I can see that shipping all the cars and equipment, and everything else it takes across the ocean for one race, where it used to be for two. You know, they get they ship it over once and move it from Canada to the U.S. You know, that's one thing. But when it's only for one race, yeah, that's more expensive. So come to both Canada and the, and the U.S. Right. Don't yeah, just I mean, take Canada off. And besides, I mean, I mean, that's still Canada. The North America is still a huge market. Canada, they're, they're, they're big diehard fans. That was a great track that offered good racing. Yeah. I mean, the track surface, for whatever reason, this pa- this last year was a little rough. I don't know why they had issues. And that's but it like had been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And it, it was weird. It wasn't, you know, they didn't really have any announcement about, oh, this is going to happen. We're going to do this. And it was actually. Yeah, but it, you know what's like on there now? Abu Dhabi. I mean, well, that's, the Middle where East, the, that's where all the money in the, in the world anymore. The Middle though, East but, is taking over. But uh, it's so hot. And even the organizers of the Canadian Grand Prix sort of said, whoa, what? This is a surprise to us. You know, it, which that seems like as, as weird as taking it off is the, fi- is the way they took it off. is sort of as a surprise to everyone, even people that have probably already started selling tickets and everything else, oh, sort sure. of saying, hey, oh, wait, by the way, there's not a race next year. Well, maybe that's an opportunity for the ALMS and IndyCar or, you know, one or the other to come in and maybe have a nice event there. That's a cool track. It's a cool event. Montreal's a fantastic city, uh, except for the French-speaking stuff that goes on there. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> No, I only say that. Because I'll tell you, I've been to Montreal and I've been to Paris, and Paris was far and away more friendly than Montreal when it came to speaking English. You say parlez-vous anglais in Paris, they're cool. You say it in Montreal, they're like, what do you want? Uh, They were rude. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I guess it's kind of... Anybody, any Montreal fans you want to come back and defend your fair city, please do. But uh, that was just my experience. Fair enough. Um, So, uh, that's... I mean, it's too bad if that's the case, although, and, and basically John's point is, you know what, there's a lot of good racing going on here, you know, with, with the uh, the IndyCar series, you know, doing more and more road courses in different places. Sure. Um, it's a lot more local, and sort of like, if they don't want to support support us, then why support them? And, I and see IndyCar that. Is, is revising the engine rule. They're gonna they're, they're talking about going back to turbocharged engines again, and they have yeah. uh, flappy paddle gearboxes, as, they, as we so lovingly call them, and... Uh, I mean, so they're doing some right things, and there's some good drivers. And there. ALMS too. I mean, That's I've been I've series. been following that. I mean, we uh, you know our boy Elio Castroneves uh, won uh, what LMP2 and at uh, uh, the Petit Le Mans in, in Road, Road Atlanta. Um, the Peugeots um, had a had a. Wasn't good Briscoe in the car too? Wasn't that a one? Um, both Penske drivers involved in that? Could have been. And then and then the uh, I don't I don't remember. Um, that race is so long, dude. I, you know, <laughs> you fall asleep hours, and you wake yeah. back up and you kind of, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, that's, and then um, and then the Audi to to have, um, you know, he crashed on uh, and oh, what's his name? Um, uh, Are you talking about McNish? Jindo, uh, yeah, Alan McNish, yeah, um, where he crashed on the on the installation lab, like on his way to the grid. Formula Toyota F1 driver. Really? Yep. Didn't know that. First season, huh? And uh, anyway, you know, he crashed the car and they, they went back to the pits and rebuilt it to come back up and actually end up winning the race. I mean, it's an amazing story. It was um, uh, Mika Salo and uh, Alan McNish yeah. for one season, and it was McNish who crashed it and who drove the the, the final se- you know segment. But yeah, so you know, just there's a lot a lot of other racing going on, and we can't say that F1 is like the only racing in the world. But at the same but time, it is our favorite. I would like, I really would like to see a U.S. Grand Prix and a Canadian Grand Prix back on the calendar. And they're talking about bringing the U.S. back for 2010, perhaps. But yeah, so maybe Canada will come back then. But it, it's still, I think that's kind of screwball. And I, you know, they should at least, you know, have a, a 
I mean, it's not, it's not a democracy. I guess it's not like we can say, oh, do you want it or not? And people can say, yeah, we want it. I mean, there's a lot of places, in the re- other places in the world that people want. I mean, South Africa, ever since they stopped going there, has just been clamoring for F1. I mean, there's a lot of fans down there, a lot of a lot of people. You know, if there yep. were a if there were a South African Grand Prix announced tomorrow, this the you know the tickets would be sold out within like a you know a couple hours. It's like that you know that's one country. There's you know where are you going to go if you're in South Africa? I guess you go up to Bahrain or something maybe. But there's yeah. no there's no place without traveling halfway across the world to get to a race and. There's a lot of fans there, so I mean, there's there's a lot of places. I guess we can't be. I guess we could go to Brazil. That's our next most local race. But yeah, I mean, now. it's basically a crapshoot between Brazil and England. I think for yeah. us, I don't think it's going to be any faster to get to Brazil than England. Yeah, I guess it's, here. Just, it's the same. It's closer time up in Michigan, but we're up in Michigan, so it, yeah. it's not even. But anyway, uh, you know, well, we're going to have to go to Brazil or England because I think going without an F1 race live this year sucked. Yeah, so we need we need to get back on that. But, Indeed, uh, and we uh, did. Luckily, we did have. I, I went to an ALMS race, and you went to an IndyCar race. So at least we had, uh, we had some, we some had racing a, we action. We got a taste. We got a taste. We had our taste. Um, so that's about it for this week. Um, as always, visit f one show dot com. We, ne- we never did predictions. Click on the Facebook link. You know what? We didn't, did we? Yeah. So oh, okay. I said Coopers is going to win the world championship. Okay. Well, what, what, what did we have for predictions from last week? I don't. I don't have those in front. I of me. I don't know. Colin hosed me. <laughs> okay. Um, do we have any predictions for the next race, though? Or are you ready oh, to give it up um, on that? I'm going to go. I mean, do you think Hamilton can, can pull himself together? I'm going to go Vettel on pole, Alonzo wins. Boom. Out there. You don't even care anymore, do you? I'm, I mean, it's as good a guess as any. Jesus, this place has this place <laughs> gone so This place has gone down. wacky. I mean, it's gone sideways. What do you want from me? Kovalainen and gets fourth. All right. I think Massa on pole, but uh, but Hamilton comes back to win it. I think he wants it a lot, and he'll be able to drive with a cool head. And so I think Massa is going to pull out his qualifying stops. But I then Hamilton's going to so make it happen. for the sake of the f- last few hairs on Ron Dennis's head. <laughs> nice. That you're right. Okay. Okay. So now we've gotten through that, and I think it's important to remember that the F1 show is brought to you by the Performance Box, a where is that? Oh, I was all ready to segue in and uh, a uh, GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car not to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. And after you buy your performance box, uh, you have to go to do the survey. There is a worldwide ING... F1 Racing Magazine sponsored survey that's being brought out. You can express your concerns about the lack of a North American event. You can express your concerns about the lack of technology or the the, the too serious involvement of technology. They put together a big survey. I have personally put it on our Facebook page, um, so you can check it out there. Or if you search F1 Survey, ING, F1 Racing Magazine, I'm sure you'll find it. And uh, I encourage everyone to participate you and let your voice be heard. Take it. I did. I did too. That was, that was before they killed the Canadian Grand Prix, though. So I didn't. I didn't. Tell, I, I, didn't I did it the day of, same time. Oh man! So I said, "WTF, mate? WTF?" Bastards. So yeah, um, that's like like I was saying. I guess that's that's about it. We'll be back with you in just a couple of days. Until then, I'm Jim Lau, and I'm Robin Warner. Take it easy.